Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about sustainable and ESG investing from leaders in the field. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. In May of 2020, the world witnessed the horrific death of George Floyd, shocking Americans into confronting the racial injustice experienced by black Americans every single day. This event forced a reevaluation of our most fundamental beliefs about racial justice and institutions, and it became a catalyst for change. As you sow, the nation's leading nonprofit in shareholder advocacy created the Racial Justice Initiative, which is managed by Olivia Knight, my guest on today's Sustainable Finance podcast episode. The initiative created and updates the Racial Justice Scorecard, which provides a complete corporate profile on racial equity issues for all of the companies in the Russell 1000 Index. Hello, Olivia, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Yes, it's a real pleasure to have you join us. As you know, we we did a program a few months ago with Andrew Behar uh, from As You So, and uh, we're we're back for more. So, really interested in learning about what you and your team are doing. And if you would please, be, let's begin by sharing with our audience several of the key findings from the original racial justice scorecard that you put together. Yeah, so our racial justice scorecard has changed quite a bit since we first released it in November of 2020. Back then, we had only covered the S&P 250, and now, as you mentioned, we're at the Russell 1000 index. So a couple key points from the Russell 1000 is that, on average, public-facing companies in the consumer staples and consumer discretionary sector rank higher than other companies in other sectors. We believe that this has something to do with consumer pressure and investor pressure to really keep that spotlight on these companies and make sure that they make material progress on racial justice. On the flip side, we see nearly 80 companies well below zero, really due to their inactivity on racial justice and their poor environmental ratings. And then lastly, perhaps most surprisingly, is that no company has scored above a 62% on racial justice. And it really shows that there's more work to be done in this area. These conversations are ongoing and very fluid. So this is across a lot of companies that you're speaking to on an ongoing basis. What are the methodology, the key performance indicators, and the scoring rubric that your team uses to update the scorecard? And how often do you update it? So as you so collects a variety of ESG data and we focus it all on publicly available information because we know that that's what investors, consumers, all stakeholders really need to be able to see to track and monitor corporate progress. So our scorecards look at corporate websites, corporate social media, uh, third-party sources that are trustworthy like EPA data, uh, New York Times articles and the like. We really want to get a full picture of what companies are doing and how they're doing it. So of our 26 key performance indicators, we've broken that down into seven pillars. 20% of a company score is dedicated just to statement language. So how did they do on that statement language that came after George Floyd's murder. Uh, what key terms did they use and how were they talking about that issue? 
And then 80% of their overall score goes to policies and practices, how have they followed up on that statement. So whether that is corporate donations to racial justice organizations, forming a DEI program, or releasing a statement on environmental justice, we want to know what they've done in the nearly two years since. And so we're monitoring all disclosure, uh, really looking at granular DEI metrics. So that's hiring, retention, promotion rates of people of color within the company. And we do that via small-scale quarterly updates and then a large-scale yearly update, which this year we're planning for either late October or early November re-release of the Russell 1000. Okay, good. So we'll look forward to incorporating that into this program when, when you complete that annual update. But in the meantime, uh, we'd love to have you submit or send us links to existing reports and perhaps uh, last year's annual report for our listeners to access through the channels. And what we want to do now is talk about scorecard measures of a company's adverse effects on black, indigenous, and people of color since 2010. That's when you started measuring, or that was the year that you chose to start measuring those issues. What's the significance of that year as a starting point? Well, we really wanted to show a company's detailed track record over the past 10 plus years, giving the public a look at what's really going on behind the scenes. So much of this research started in 2020, and it really became a must for companies to start acting out on social justice. But that's not really the full picture. If we only look back to 2020, we'd see a lot of corporate progress. But if you look back further, back to 2010 in our case, you'll see that companies weren't always as proactive as they are now on racial equity issues. Many had environmental injustices issues, uh, which we look at with these adverse effects. Many had racial discrimination issues. And we want to track and monitor all of those and present them to the public in a cohesive format, like the racial justice scorecard, so that you can really understand what's happening. You know, I've been aware for at least that period of time, going back to 2010, how important many studies have shown diversity and equity and inclusion are in the makeup of companies that outperform their peers when it comes to long-term performance. Why has it taken so much longer, in your opinion, for the companies themselves to start integrating these types of measurement systems? internally. It seems that racial equity and DEI are only now becoming material issues to companies. And you and I who have worked in this space, we know that they have long been material issues. But prior to 2020, companies weren't feeling that public pressure to really incorporate this into their policies and practices. And now that all eyes are on them to do right, by racial equity, they're starting to make concrete changes. And we see that through a range of shareholder proposals, motivating these companies to get on the journey of DEI. And we see companies willingly taking strides to get better at this. And now you've brought up the idea of shareholder proposals. That's a, an important part of the work at As You Sow. Could you explain or give us an example of a shareholder proposal related to racial justice that, the, that your firm has uh, brought to, 
to a company within the last few years? Absolutely. So as you so, as you mentioned in your intro, has been a leading shareholder advocate for over 30 years. We use our racial justice scorecards as the backbone of our corporate engagement. So we file with low scoring companies and use the tool to educate them on the importance and materiality of racial equity issues. And then we want them to make concrete changes to their policies and practices. So we follow up these corporate engagements of education with a shareholder proposal. And normally that's a racial justice reporting proposal. So we're asking companies to release granular DEI information on what's happening internally, as well as any policies and practices that they think could improve racial equity externally. And we filed a number of proposals, especially on DEI over the past few years. Uh, We've had one with Monster Beverage that we reached a withdrawal agreement last year. And that was really, we saw a low scoring company that we wanted to help get better on a range of ESG issues, specifically focused on racial equity. And We've followed them throughout the year and helped them along to help them get better on the racial justice scorecard, but also how they see racial equity internally at their organization. It's been a significantly rewarding process. Um, And this year, we've filed seven proposals. We've been able to withdraw six out of seven, and I hope that we are meeting a resolution with the final company this week. But we are really seeing increased DEI disclosure across the board, which is something that if you had checked in with me last year during this season, it was a lot harder to get. So all of these shareholder proposals that ASUSO has been filing, but also our colleagues in other spaces, we're seeing the outcomes and it's, it's great. It's, um, it's very hopeful. Good. I'm very glad to hear that. Let's talk a little bit more about the, the, um, what you mentioned um, about withdrawing proposals, Olivia. Can you walk our listeners through the process of making a proposal and then what happens between then and when it gets withdrawn? Now, we know that all of them don't get withdrawn, right? And sometimes you go back year after year to the same company. But but what is that process about when you were able to withdraw the proposal? Yeah. So normally, a typical engagement, as you so It starts with reaching out to the company to let them know that they've scored poorly or scored in the middle range of a ESG scorecard. And then once we have a few meetings with the company, really start to understand what they're doing internally, whether it be positive or negative, then we decide to escalate to a formal shareholder proposal. So 500 word document that covers what we're asking for and why. So in the racial justice sense, we're asking for a report on their internal DEI processes. We're asking for enhanced disclosure. And we really wanna see the company take this issue seriously. And so if a company and I are able to meet after that proposal is, is submitted, and the company says, we understand. We're taking these issues very seriously. Here's our ABC plan on what we're going to do over the course of the next two years. And we want your help to get there. Then if those, if those match up with what As You So is envisioning for that company, increased DEI disclosure on a variety of metrics, um, release of policies and practices, then normally we are perfectly fine with withdrawing that proposal because we know that the company is going to work with us to 
enhance disclosure on a range of material issues. But if for some reason the company doesn't feel like racial justice or racial equity is important at this moment in time, or they don't feel comfortable releasing those granular metrics yet, then normally it goes to a vote. And that means at the annual general meeting, one of our representatives gives a speech and their shareholders vote on the materiality of this issue. And if a company should indeed do what we said in the initial proposal. So file that report and release that data. Now, when a proposal is made and the company agrees to start focusing on the material on that as a material issue, um, how does how is as you so able as an uh, an organization that has a lot of other initiatives going on how are you able to integrate that information from your scorecard and your initiative into the whole platform at as you so so we are working on better ways to do this at as you so so keep an eye on this space because the next okay. year is going to be very interesting but we have a small team at As You So, a little mm -hmm. over 30 full-time employees, and so it's very easy for us to work across programs to get information to companies. So someone in the energy sector and department can reach out to me and say, how's this company doing on racial equity? And then we can meet with the company together. And so it's really all of us working together to get these companies to do better. And with our withdrawal agreements, often it does, it does span programs. So working in environmental health and climate, we are starting to file more climate justice-based resolutions as well as environmental health and farm justice resolutions. So we're really looking for the overlap of ESG issues and ways to bring that forward in shareholder proposals. That's really terrific. So your, your your whole team is focusing on various aspects of the relationship with companies and uh, you often put that research and that interface with companies together to, to make it more meaningful. Um, what about actual investment portfolio strategies that asset managers come to you to as you so uh, for information about integrating? I know one of the things that Andrew and I spoke about in our conversation was uh, the as you so initiative that is focused on um, making more sustainability focused investment strategies available within company qualified retirement plan options. Uh, how are you working with other teams within As You So on those types of issues? Yeah, it's so fantastic that As You So has such a wealth of data and, and people can really invest their values, if you will. And so we recommend that investors and financial advisors choose from a range of high-scoring companies on all of As You So's scorecard and tools. And it's quite easy to do when you look at our data. And then you can clearly see which companies you and sectors you want to avoid investing in. And so with the racial justice scorecard, all of that information is publicly available. Anyone who is interested in making investments in companies can go seek it out. We are also starting to license the scorecard data and have another lever when we're going into these conversations with companies that this data is being used by financial investment firms. And it's really 
important to start taking it seriously, that a negative score on the scorecard could have material financial impact. And so very similar to the Investor Values Program at As You Sow, the racial justice scorecard can be used in a very positive fashion to make real changes in the investment sector. In working with both you and Andrew now, Olivia, I've I've been spent a spent a fair amount of time on the As You So website, and I will say that your your guidance uh, around the different programs is very clear and helpful. And I I encourage all financial advisors that are working with clients around these types of issues to visit your site and explore the opportunities there to to get more familiar with what you're doing and actually to interface with you and other members of the team at As You Sow. Um, and right now, let's talk a little bit about how our listeners can reach out to you uh, or other members of your team on the Racial Justice Initiative and learn more about what you're doing on an ongoing basis so that they can incorporate that into their own either personal or company investment strategies. And I would love to put some additional links into an attachments tab for this program so that we can make sure that people have access to that information as well. Tell us how they can reach out to you. Tell us how they can get in touch with you directly to discuss more of the things, more about the things that we've covered in today's program. And where can they visit uh, the As You Sow website and other links to keep them up to date on your work? Yeah, so please visit asyousow.org to check out more details about the racial justice work. If you scroll down to the very bottom of the page, there is a general contact As You Sow um, email, and you can send in that email and con connect you with any program advisor that you're interested in. So whether that be me at Racial Justice or Daniel at the Energy Team, you can get in touch with us and we can answer any methodology questions or detailed personal questions that you may have about our work. Um, my email right now is onight, K-N-I-G-H-T, at asyouso.org. I am very happy to hop on a call with any of your listeners and talk about our work in detail. I always love feedback as well. So please, if you have any interest, get in touch with As You So, and we can answer any follow-up questions you have. Terrific. Well, thank you so much. Again, Olivia Knight, Racial Justice Initiative Manager at As You Sow. And for our listeners, please join us again next week for another episode. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Music.